Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Abraham's shield had no scars before battle, but had many after, and how the Lord would now be Abraham's scarred shield, an exceedingly great reward. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes. We'd like to thank you for your support and listenership of the Friendship with God radio program. We want to encourage you to get this month's resource. It's three books from Tom Cantor, all in one compilation. These are amazing books, frequently asked questions by Jewish people, one of the most popular books Tom Cantor's written, combined with prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ and how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Jewish Messiah, Tom Cantor's life story. All three of these books in one compilation book. We have a limited supply of these, but again, three great books all in one. It's yours as part of our January resource for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. And again, a donation of $30 or more for these three books from Tom Cantor, all in one compilation book. You can call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now remember, you also get a matching donation support. So if you donate $30 or more to Friendship with God, you get a matching support donation from Israel Restoration Ministries that goes towards Jewish evangelism. So we want to encourage you to get this month's resource for a donation of $30 or more. It supports this radio program, but also the gospel going out to the Jew first. So again, call us now or after the show for this month's resource, three books from Tom Cantor and one compilation book, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or go to our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor as we study about God being Abraham's shield and exceedingly great reward. Now, that's a pretty relevant article that God has just called out. Because Abraham has just come from a terrific battle of the slaughter of the kings. And in that battle, Abraham was in real danger. It wasn't a theoretical danger. It was in real danger. He was outnumbered by probably something of 25 to 1 with his little army of 400. And Abraham, and that means that Abraham and his men, they had to kill 25 men and not be killed in order to have the victory they had. And in that battle, as Abraham was, you know, slewing and slaying, you know, it was a rough job, man after man, Abraham wondered, you know, as in the thick of that killing 25 men in a stay alive at least, he was wondering, am I really going to come out of this alive? Am I really going to come out of this battle alive? And he knew, Abraham knows, like we all know, he didn't have eyes in the back of his head. So in that battle, being outnumbered 25 to 1, Abraham wondered when he's working on killing this man in front of him, would another man come up behind him? And in any moment, would Abraham now feel the sharp, cold steel of a sword across his neck? And then it'd be curtains. So as Abraham's working on killing this man in front of him, what did Abraham rely on to not be killed? His shield. That's all he had. He had the one defensive piece, his shield. And then as that man is killed and Abraham swings around to face a new man coming up behind him, and what's the first thing that Abraham relies on to not be killed? His shield. Abraham's shield. And we can imagine how Abraham relied on the shield to save his life time and again, over and over again. We can imagine how Abraham gripped that shield so hard that maybe his hand became frozen in place, like it says about one of the warriors in the army of the Israelites. He slew so many people they couldn't had to pry his hand off of his sword. And after the battle, after the battle, and Abraham's looking at himself and says, boy, I'm not dead. And we look at Abraham's shield 
And on that shield are all those stab marks and all those slice marks where the many blades of the enemy just had left it on his shield. And with the eye of our imagination now, we look at Abraham and we see Abraham looking at each stab mark and each slice mark on his shield. And we see Abraham after the battle sitting down and he's looking at his shield and he's saying, I remember. I remember how this enemy soldier came at me lunging with his sword and how I swung my shield just in the nick of time around and I felt a thud on that shield as the sword hit there and there it is, the mark of that sword. And there was the Abraham and now as I sit down and he says, well, look at that mighty slash mark across this shield and I'm reminded now how I would have been dead meat if I didn't have that shield to go right up there and protect. I remember that one. And he would say, my shield saved me. And he said, shield, if you were animate, I'd say to you, thank you, shield. (laughs) And we see Abraham after the battle. He's sitting down there. He's looking at his shield. And he says, I remember how this enemy came at me with this mighty sword. And he was coming right for my neck. And what did I do? I remembered how I lifted up my shield at that point. And I felt that blow that was meant for my neck. But my shield took it. Now as I sit down, I see this huge slice mark across this shield, and I'm reminded again how I would have been killed. And again, he would have said, thank you, shield. And ever since that battle, Abraham has been so impressed with the value of his shield. How this shield was so reliable, and it stopped every sword and knife that was designed to kill Abraham. And how the shield bore the marks of every blow that would have killed Abraham. And how his shield was just about destroyed. It didn't even look probably didn't even look very good after all of that battle. But Abraham was alive. Abraham was alive. And ever since the battle, Abraham has not stopped thinking about his shield. And he just can't get his shield out of his mind. And if his shield was alive, he'd kiss it. He would. And thank it. And with all those thoughts of his shield flooding in his mind, and he's, got, he's thinking about the shield, and God calls him out and says, Abraham, I'm your shield. I am your shield. Meet your shield, Abraham. Oh, man. All of a sudden, Abraham, when he sees that, he's stunned. And he says, I got it. I got it. The truth of that. As soon as God said to Abraham, I am thy shield, we can imagine looking at his shield and say, I got it. God is my shield. God is my shield. My shield protected me from every blow that was designed to kill me. I'm alive. Because of my shield. This shield protected me by taking the blows that were destined for me. This shield is marred forever with the scars that protected me from death. And then Abraham could say, I get it. Jehovah Jesus is my shield. We say along with Abraham, we get it. Jehovah Jesus is our shield. And just as Abraham's shield protected him from every blow that was designed to kill him, so our Jehovah Jesus, as our shield, protects us from every blow designed to kill us. God gave us our shield. Our Jehovah Jesus was given to us as a shield, as it says in uh, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-six. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-six. This word salvation is the word Yeshua. So this verse reads, Thou hast given me the shield of my Yeshua, the shield of my salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate shield was given to us, as it says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The child was born, Jesus. 
The child was born. The son was not born. The son was given. God the son was given. As what? As our shield. Our shield. This is John 3.16 when it says that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is saying that God so loved the world that he gave God the son as our shield to protect us from what? Perishing. That was the blow. And the shield of the Lord Jesus Christ is also our message. That's our message, you know, all this summer long for 12 weeks. About 150 Israel Restoration workers have gone into 17 cities, knocked on over 700,000 doors, Jewish doors, throughout the U.S. with one message. One message to people, and it is the same message as David, king of Israel, he also gave to the people. When he said in Psalm 115, verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord, he is their help and their shield. In Psalm 115.10, next verse. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Next verse, Psalm 115.11. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So for a hundred thousand over, a hundred thousand man hours, those erm workers all summer long as they've encountered common, run-of-the-mill, secular Jewish people, they've said to them, in essence... The words of Psalm 115.9. O Israel, O common secular Jewish person, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your help. He's your shield. And for the over the 100,000 man hours, those erm workers all summer long, as they have encountered rabbis and religious people, Orthodox Jewish people, they've said in essence to them the words of Psalm 115 verse 10. O house of Aaron. O rabbis, O religious people, Jewish people, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your help. He is your shield. And for over 100,000 man hours, these workers all summer long, when they've met believers, which they have, they've said in essence to them in the verse 15, Psalm 115, verse 11. Psalm 115, verse 11. Ye that fear the Lord, O believers, in other words, trust in the Lord. He's your help and your shield. Now, we see in Abraham as he's looking at his marred shield, and we see with Abraham that all the scars, he's looking on that, and he's examining each scar, he's looking about it, he's thinking about what happened when that scar came, and he says, boy, that scar was made from the blow that would have killed me. I remember that blow, in this, and I remember the thud, and I remember seeing the sword come at me and the great thud and so forth. And we see in that scene, he's looking at a scarred-up shield, and hear the words from God, I am thy shield. And we understand that when Jehovah Jesus said, I am thy shield, Jehovah Jesus meant, I am thy shield that took the blows that were designed for you. I am your shield that took the blows that were designed for you. I am the shield that was marred to save you. I am the shield that bears the scars to remind you how I saved you. And we hear in that phrase, I am thy shield, the words of Isaiah 53, 5. I am thy shield that was wounded for your transgressions. I am thy shield that was bruised for your iniquities. And when Jehovah Jesus says, I am thy shield, we hear the words of Isaiah 53, 8. I am thy shield that was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. I was stricken. And when he says, I am thy shield, we hear the words of Isaiah 53, 12. I am thy shield that poured out his soul unto death. And the words of Isaiah 50, verse 6. I am thy shield that gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked out the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And the greatest blow that was meant for us, that Jehovah Jesus took as our shield, was the blow of the death 
that we deserved because of our sins. And he took that death blow for us, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Christ died for our sins. And from the fall of man, all this was predicted about the shield when it says in Genesis 3, 15 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the king of death, but he would crush his heel. He was the shield whose heel was crushed. As the process, he crushed the head of the devil. And Jehovah Jesus was the shepherd, that the shepherd shield that was struck, as it says in Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd. And he repeats that in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And when Jehovah Jesus is our shield, he took that death blow, he destroyed death. As it says in Hosea 13, 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from the death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. And it says in 1 John 3, 8, he says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. In Hebrews 2, 14, he says that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Jehovah Jesus is our shield, and he took the blows. That's exactly what Peter meant when he said, who in his own self, the shield, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes or wounds we are healed. You are healed. And so the shield was recognized, and after the battle of the king, let me put it this way, Abraham could always recognize his shield because of the scars. It just didn't look the same. And it wasn't like any other shield. It was Abraham's shield, and Abraham recognized it, and it was identified by the scars. And so when Abraham saw all those scars in his shield, he said, that's my shield. Oh, I recognize that by the scars. I know each scar. <laughs> Do I ever? And that's my shield. It protected me. I know my shield because of those scars on it. And how will the Jewish people finally recognize that God is the Lord Jesus Christ? It will be after the battle of Armageddon, someone will see scars on his hands. And they'll say in Zechariah 13, 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? And then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And immediately they'll know, Oh, he is Jesus. How do they recognize the scars on his hands? And then... Those scars, they're there forever. They're there forever. Abraham's shield was all new when it was started off before the battle without any scars on it before he went into battle. But after that, Abraham's shield was never the same. It was scarred forever with the marks and the memories of that battle. And after the Lord Jesus Christ came out of the battle of the cross, he was never the same. He was never the same. He bore in his body the scars that are forever on him, As it says in Revelation 5, 6, it says that I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne, the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. And just as Abraham's shield would forever bear the scars that protected him, so our Jehovah Jesus shield will forever bear his scars that protected us. The scars referred to as a lamb as it had been slain. And what do we do about the scars? Do we shun them and turn away from them? We celebrate them. That's what it means, the communion service, when we come together. And he says in Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 24, 25, he says, this is my body. And he takes it and he broke it for you. It's a celebration. And he says, drink this cup. 
in remembrance of me. The practice of taking the elements during communion is the same practice as Abraham did when he sat down and he had a good, long, thoughtful look at his shield. And just as Abraham looked at each scar on the shield and thought about how they saved him, that's what we do in communion. That's what we do. God wants us to come to communion just like Abraham did and look at our scarred Jehovah Jesus shield and appreciate the broken body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us. That's what he wants. He says, remember. And then it says something very interesting here. Now, all this is encompassed in the term, I am thy shield, but what we've been talking about is really two different points of view. Now, from the point of view of function, Abraham was standing behind the shield and he used it. And from that position of being behind the shield, the shield was the shield of Abraham. That's how you'd see it. But there's the point of view we've just been talking about is the point of view where Abraham stands in front of his shield and he sees all the scholars that are on it. And in that case, he's appreciating it. He's looking at it. And that is the shield to Abraham. From behind, using the shield, it's the shield of Abraham. From in front and appreciating, it's the shield to Abraham. Now, even though in the English, your Bible says that God said to Abram, Abram, I am thy shield. That's not the way the Hebrew reads. The Hebrew reads, I am a shield to you, Abraham. So we get that aspect of the appreciation. God says, I'm a shield to you. It's the same thing. You can look it up in 1 Chronicles 17.24, where God said, the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. So he took the two lines there as well. A God of Israel and a God to Israel. And there's a big difference between the God of Israel and the God to Israel. It's the same difference between saying the shield of Abraham and the shield to Abraham. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. We stand behind the shield. He's our shield. Then we get in front of the shield and we see what it took and what he bore to protect us. And it becomes a shield to us and we worship him for the price that he paid. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, the Lord Jesus, to be not only a shield of us, but also a shield to us. And we appreciate him this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, you mentioned today in our teaching how Jesus went to battle on the cross and bore in his body scars forever. Now, God wanted to be Abraham's shield, but when God in flesh stood by Pilate and was told truth, Pilate responded by asking the Lord Jesus Christ sarcastically, what is truth? Now, why did Pilate ask that? You know, that scene, as we've just seen it there, is absolutely, it's dramatic. It shakes you. Because when you think about it, there's the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the Lamb of God. And he's right in front of Pilate, suffering in essence, this is part of the process of the Lamb of God being offered. And he's there, he's ripped apart, he's bleeding, he's standing in front of Pilate. And what he is really showing Pilate there is that this is the truth of the Lord dying for our sins. When it says in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, that's the truth. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement or the punishment of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. That scene, the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, is for us the most important truth. Why? Because of Psalm 8510. 
We so desperately need mercy, and yet truth is that we deserve judgment. But Psalm 85.10 says, mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And what Pilate was looking at in front of him was the Lord Jesus Christ, the embodiment of mercy, the embodiment of truth, and in him, the mercy of God and the truth of God meet together. In him, the righteousness of God, which demands judgment, and the peace of God have kissed each other in him. And Pilate was seeing all that. Because the fact is, is that the greatest obstacle that we have, that any person has, is to be able to spend eternity with God in heaven. Man's sins is the greatest obstacle that man has to be able to spend eternity with God in heaven. It's the sin of man. Why? Because, for example, just when the, the, the one commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain, in Deuteronomy 5.11, it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Why? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Let's be honest, who has not taken the name of God in vain, either in actual saying it or thinking it? So we're all guilty of this. And the Lord says, we will not escape judgment. He will not hold us guiltless that takes his name in vain. It's something that we have done. It's a sin. We will pay for it. In Revelation 20, 12, it says that when John saw the dead, the small and great, stand before God, he says the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So in other words, every time Anyone takes the name of the Lord in vain, it's written down. It's written down in what are called the books. And those books are opened at the final judgment when God does not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain and every other sin. And so God will judge sins, and therefore all sinners will not spend eternity with God in heaven unless... They have the only way that God has prescribed to remove that obstacle, to remove the sins that are standing in the way of each person going to heaven, and that's by the suffering of the Lord. That's why that great truth that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, standing in front of Pilate, was bearing witness of the truth, even though the Lord was not even speaking, the Pilate could see this great truth. What truth? The truth that God has given, as it says in Leviticus 17, 11. He says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sins. For it's the blood that maketh an atonement for the sins. And so what Pilate saw as he was watching the Lord Jesus Christ is he saw the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He saw the gift of God, which is eternal life, through our Lord Jesus Christ. When he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw the the Son that was given. He saw the great gift of God, and the great gift of God was God the Son be made flesh having the life of his flesh in him, having the blood which speaks of the 
pure, sinless life, the only one who was pure and sinless, the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lord, he was watching the blood of the Lord shed. And as he was standing there in front of Pilate, and small pools of blood were collecting, which were dripping from his body, what Pilate was seeing was the great truth of Leviticus 17.11. He was seeing that the gift of God was the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that can take away sins, which is the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was watching that right in front of him. He was seeing God give an atonement for Pilate's soul, for every soul, as he was watching the suffering of the Lord. That's the great, great truth. And so because of that truth, that was why the Lord Jesus Christ said that he came to bear witness of the truth, in other words, to speak the truth. So he spoke the truth, but he also communicated the truth by his very suffering form there in front of Pilate. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, if you'd like to support the gospel going out to a Jewish person that you know, we can send them a free gospel gift from Tom Cantor's life story on DVD and in a booklet. We can also send it to you for you to give to them. You can fill out that form online at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org, and you can send that free gospel gift to a Jewish person. Now, if you'd like to support this ministry that gets out millions and millions of copies of the gospel around the world to Jewish people, you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, or we've got a wonderful resource this month Three books combined into one compilation. Tom Cantor's three books, Frequently Asked Questions, Prophecy and Fulfillments, and His Own Life Story. Three books into one. It's our January resource offer for a donation of $30 or more. Call us right now, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. We have limited supplies of these. 1-800-247-3051. Or go online to our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. Join us again tomorrow.